into Up Your Units. I'm your host, Colby Marcio, and today we have a fantastic episode. We have Tank Williams on to talk week one of the NFL. Football is all the way back, people. Let's jump right into it. I would like to start off with my college football bets for the week, and then we could just dive right into Tank and we talk about betting week one NFL. Let's let's jump right into it. With the filthiest play I might ever place in my entire career of betting. Lafayette, the spread ain't out yet, but I think I'm going to hammer it no matter what the number is. Hopefully it's well over 30. If it's in the 20s, I'm I'm out. I'm not going to take it. They're playing Duke. Duke just had the game of their life on Monday. The recording, I'm, I'm currently recording this on Thursday. Probably get this out, hopefully, for Friday. But it is Thursday. The game is Saturday. That's not even a full week's of rest. They're probably still hungover. They stormed the Duke stormed the field. This is a perfect spot for a letdown. They go from playing a ranked Clemson team to Lafayette. It makes no sense, but I'm praying for the spread to be astronomical just to hammer the dog. You know me. You know me. You know me. Hot corn bowl. It don't matter the dog. I love it. Moving on to probably the game of the week outside of Colorado, Nebraska. Let me jump into Colorado, Nebraska real quick. I will probably bet Nebraska just based off how everybody on everybody on this planet is betting Colorado to cover the spread, which I understand why. That week one was unbelievable. I believe, Coach Prime, I believe, but I also believe in fading the public. So give me Nebraska. Give me Nebraska. Add it to the card. Just add it to the card. We'll add this to my record. Get it, add it to the card. Texas, Alabama. This will be the game of the week. It will be everything we hope for and probably a little more. I can feel it. I can feel it in my plums. You know me. Always feeling in the plums. I think it's going to be Texas. I'm going to take Texas on the spread. I think it's at seven and a half I got it at. Seven and a half, correct. Yep, seven and a half. We're taking Texas plus seven and a half. I think that's a great number for them. It's a dog, too. Now, last year, Quinn Ewers was carving this Crimson Tide team. That included Will Anderson. This The Alabama defense is still good. But Will Anderson owned, or not Will Anderson, Quinn Ewers owned Bama until he got hurt. This is his revenge, this is his revenge game. I think he gets it done, and I think this will solidify Texas if he can get out, pull out with the win, solidify them as officially being back. Sam Hillier, back. I I I talked to one of my co-hosts today from Stadium Bets. He said that Nick Saban is in a good place and is happy. I don't think I want a happy Nick Saban. As a man who has standards and is always pissed off at his best teams, something's wrong if he's happy. That means this team isn't as good. I don't trust Jalen Milrow. I don't trust the wide receivers. I trust Quinn Ewers. That's all I got. Now, for the play of the week that I've already given out on Live on the Line that went on air, Check it out on Bally's Sports. Check it out on Marquee. Check it out on Stadium Network. 
the play of the week, it might be another disgusting play, but I'm a sucker for a letdown spot. Texas State just beat Baylor 42-31, the game of their lives, just like Duke. Game of their lives. Another letdown spot. We are taking UTSA minus 12 and a half. Boop, boop. That's my best impression of, of a roadrunner. The Alamo Dome is going to be packed and bumping. These boys are still going to be hungover from having their biggest win in their program's history. What more do I need to say? But I have so much more to say. The Roadrunners are returning nine guys on the offensive end, including their best player in program history, Frank Harris. This dude is going to destroy Texas State. Destroy. And with that, they will win and have their first win of the season and cover the 12 and a half. They will win by two touchdowns. You heard it here first. first heard it here first. Heard it here first. They are going to win by two tutties. And that dome is going to be going bananas. It's going to be banana lands down there in the Alamo Dome. Do I have any other bets? Let me just check so I don't miss anything. Obviously, I'm going to add more because I'm a sicko and I can't say no. Especially if there's a break. Like, I don't have a bet for the 2 o'clock games and I got to wait till 6 or 7 for the next one. Oh, baby, will I be tweeting out the stank. <laughs> That's all I have for college football bets. I think it's going to be a fantastic week, too. Or, yeah, week two. There are a lot of bets, a lot of games, a lot of bets to be made, to be watched. And I think it's time to dive into my good friend, my new friend, big fan of the mustache, Tank Williams. And now welcoming on former NFL player Tank Williams, Tank I put the shirt on for a reason. I know you're a man of amazing shirts. I know the people listening don't know what I'm wearing, but Dennis Rodman, the warm, fantastic shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I grew up in Mississippi, but I was a huge Jordan fan. So I followed the worm and all those cats back from the Jordan days. So I appreciate the shirt, but I appreciate the stash even more. Thank, thank you. Yeah, the stash is swagged out, though. Ever, I've been getting too many compliments. I feel like... But my parents hate it. They think it's disgusting. Typical parent move. Yeah, because you probably still got a little bit of Christmas and Thanksgiving no. meal on that, too, with a little Easter on the no, side. But you're all you good, gotta, though, you man. I, like I can't have that thing looking like I shouldn't be near a school. <laughs> 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 but take week one is here. Touché. I know we've both been dying for this. I just want to die. Oh, first of all, happy week one. I want to dive yeah, in. Sure. I, I live in Chicago, for the people that don't know. We got to start out Packers Bears. Now, if okay. Tank, you know it's the city of disappointments, Chicago, when it comes to sports. Last week, we had a woman shoot herself at the White Sox game. You have the double doink. You have this, the Bartman incident for the Cubs. Can we trust this team with all the hype they're getting, the Bears? Ah, uh, man. Honestly, I didn't know about a woman shooting herself at a game. That is crazy. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. Um, but, I'll tell you afterwards. You can tell me afterwards, yeah. Um, but can you trust the Bears? Uh, I think there's one good reason that you probably can trust the Bears a little bit more this season, and that's because Aaron Rodgers is in New York right now. And on top of that, Justin Fields was a monster last year. Like, this dude was one of the most prolific guys that we've seen using those two feet of his. I mean, just running for over 100-plus yards in so many games towards the tail end of the season. I think that's going to continue this year as well because if you look at what they were able to do for him, you go and get a guy like DJ Moore out there on the outside where he actually has a legit number one wide receiver to throw to. 
to, you're still going to have some dogs in the back uh, to run the rock for them. And then at the same time, I really like what Poles is able to do to improve that defense. And so I think when you do all that together, they have another year to kind of gel. The sky's the limit for the uh, Chicago Bears. Now, Green Bay gave up the seven most rush yards per game to quarterbacks in 2022. I think that that Green Bay defense is more than likely going to play how they did the back half of the season versus the front half of the season. So I think they're going to keep a minute. And so it all comes down to Jordan Love and what we expect for him to go out there and do on a weekly basis. He's going to have some weapons at his disposal. You got Aaron Jones. You got A.J. Dillon. You have some young wide receivers on the outside. Christian Watson can take it off. You got Romeo Dobbs. You got Reed, who's going to come along. Then they have some young tight ends. So they have a lot of weapons in place, too, where I feel like this can be a competitive game. I can't just go hardcore and say the Bears are definitely going to win it. But at the same time, I think this is going to be a competitive game. And I actually expect a lot of games in the NFC North to be competitive as hell this year. Now, you mentioned that Aaron Rodgers is gone. This just this, this just means Jordan Love's going to be the next Farver Rodgers, right? He's just going to, it's just the trend's going to continue. <laughs> He's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, just like Aaron Rodgers was after. Favre left. That's, yeah, that's the thing. It's Chicago. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, if the saga continues like Wu-Tang, then that's going to happen. <laughs> but obviously with, with Aaron Rodgers, it didn't happen overnight. And with Brett Favre, it didn't happen overnight no. either. And so with that being said, there's going to be some growing pains. But I think that Jordan Love definitely has the attributes to be successful. I mean, it takes a rare breed to become a you know, a Hall of Famer and to win the Super Bowl. And so much has to go right for you. And so is that going to happen? I don't know. But I think the pieces are in place for him to step into this role, not really have a lot of pressure on him because, hey, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Not many people are expecting the Packers to do much this year. So you can just play with your hair down, go out there, distribute the ball, not try to win the game all by yourself. Understand that you have one of the better defenses in the league. You have a lot of playmakers around. You have one of the better play callers in the league. Let them go ahead and take all that load off of you and just go out there and play your game. And I think that's what Jordan Love has been trying to do. And that's what he's been articulating in the preseason as well. Now, to play devil's advocate, if the Steelers can draft wide receivers every single season since Lynn Swan and no wide receivers, the Packers, they might know quarterbacks too. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the way that the Steelers do it, all of their uh, wide receivers end up being homegrown. But like you said, I mean, that management just has like the golden touch when it comes to drafting wide receivers. The Packers have used a different approach. I mean, you go out and you get Brett Favre from the Atlanta Falcons and then he comes in and then he's successful. You draft Aaron Rodgers a couple years and let him kind of sit behind Favre and learn Then he takes over and the Packers never really miss a beat. And I feel like with Jordan Love, they tried to follow the same mode as Aaron Rodgers. So, like you said, I mean, there's going to be different guys who brought all those quarterbacks in, but can they get the same result? Maybe Lady Luck is on Green Bay side. I mean, that yet remains that uh, remains to be seen. But I think one thing is that they're going to lean on a strong defense. They're going to lean on having a bunch of playmakers around him where he doesn't have to put too much pressure on himself. So, from that standpoint, if you want to look at the game from a betting perspective, you have a 43 and a half over under. You have Chicago minus one. I don't know who wins the game i expect low points uh so if there's anything i expect them to play close to the best and so probably lean to the under i wish the player props were up i would ask but we'll we'll probably both agree hammer the field's rush yards absolutely absolutely i mean that's one thing that i went to on a weekly basis and you know every show that i worked on whether it's having brad evans on live on the line then i had my man andy barons when i was with yahoo both of those chicago bears they were always talking bears they're always talking fields and so i started watching my man justin really closely and so yeah that became a layup for a prop bet and just bang the over and he never really uh failed you except for a couple times late in the season but more times than not it was was just him it was just him yeah 
it was just him out there. Now, moving on to the Raiders-Broncos. Broncos are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like a lot of people are going to be still doubting the Broncos from last season's crapshoot. But I feel like adding Sean Payton, a second year of Russ understanding what he's got, I feel like three-and-a-half's low. And the Raiders are going to be bad. Yeah, the Sean Payton effect is real. I mean, he's one of the better coaches in the league. He talks that talk, and we're going to see if the Broncos are going to walk that walk because he threw mad shade at the New York Jets, and we're going to see how that turns out a few weeks down the road. But when you look at this game against the Raiders, against the Raiders, the Raiders defense gave up the fourth most passing yards per game in 2022. And as you said, Russ having one a more offensive-minded coach who should have his act together, the one thing that's going to hurt them in the passing game is Jerry Judy being hurt. But I feel like Corden Sutton being healthy, that's going to help. There's been a lot of talk about Marvin Mims. And so once those props come out, I expect Marvin Mims prop to be really low. And if he ends up securing that second wide receiver spot or that third wide receiver spot, I would expect them to try to go ham with him taking shots down the field. So that may be something that people want to have their eyes on once those props open for week one. Um, and when I look at the Raiders side of the ball, Josh Jacobs was one of three running backs that had over 300 attempts. And I expect the, the Raiders to lean heavy on him. We know we got Jimmy Garoppolo in that now. It's going to be the Devontae Adams show because he's going to be a major playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. But they're going to continue to lean heavy on the run. I just want to see what's Josh Jacobs that we're going to see in Las Vegas this year because they didn't pay him. He ended up having to get a deal similar to Saquon. And I think it's all fine and Danny when those guys are healthy. But once they get a little, a little nicked up, I don't know if you're going to see that same effort from them like you saw last year when they were fighting to get that contract. The writing has already been on the wall for the most part about how these teams want to treat running backs. And so until they get some of that guarantee, get some guarantees knowing that they're protected for more than just this year. Uh, I think that the, the, the running backs are going to be a little bit more hesitant to go out there and put their bodies on the line for these teams once they're banged up like they were last year. What can we expect from Jimmy G this season after coming over from San Francisco? Is it same Jimmy G. a better replacement, same, same as Derek Carr? Uh, I <laughs> think with Jimmy improve, G. Or is, this, is it lateral? You know, Derek Carr had 15 picks. Will you be surprised to see Jimmy G with 15 picks? Not really, because Jimmy G is one of those quarterbacks. When you looked at him with the San Francisco 49ers, you have a lot of talent around him. You just want him yeah. to play a solid game and get to the end of the game and don't have those damn it Jimmy moments. And it seemed like every time they were in like this really pivotal game at a pivotal moment, he'll throw an interception, fumble the ball, and then they're like, damn it, Jimmy. So that's why they went out and they spent all those picks on Trey Lance. That didn't work out for him, but now they got Brock Purdy. But we're going to move back on to the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's what you have in Jimmy G. That's why they want to lean heavily on the run game. They want to pick their shots with Devontae Adams. You have two tight ends where you have Austin Hooper, you have Mayer from Notre Dame, try to limit his opportunities in the pass game the way he won't turn the ball over. And if you can run the rock, throw the ball over the middle of the field, high percentage throws, maintain the ball, don't turn it over and get some better play out of defense. They feel like they can keep themselves in it. But I feel like that Denver defense, they're going to try to find a way to get some pressure on Jimmy G, create one of those damn it Jimmy moments. And then that's how they'll be able to maybe cover where it's like three and a half right now. And they start yeah. off at, at least when I first saw it at minus four. I'll be hammering the Broncos. That that feels too low. And if it's a trap, I'll take that trap. A game that I think is a disrespectful line is the Rams-Seahawks. The Seahawks being a, yeah. basically a six-point favorite. The Rams aren't that bad. And I'm not saying the Seahawks are bad. Seahawks are good. But the Rams have Stafford back. 
Yeah, yeah the Rams have Stafford back, but they don't have Cooper Cup. And then when you look for that Rams offense, just gonna say like, that. what are they going to do? Because that offensive line was terrible. They were one of the worst offensive yeah. lines in the league last year. And we understand Cam Makers is going to be that dude more than likely. But if you don't have to take away or worry about Cooper Cup on the outside, you're really not worried about Van Jefferson, at least to this point, being a number one wide receiver, a dog and beating you. Who else is going to come in through like Skaronic, Tutu Atwell, some of those guys? And so you're really not scared of them in the past game. So you say, hey, we're going to take away the run and make Matthew Stafford beat us with someone. Tyler Higby, the disrespect. The disrespect. Yeah. Higby is a good player, but it's Higby He's going all to right. you downfield yeah. and, and blow the top. I mean, the one thing that really helps offenses in the NFL is if you have somebody that can blow the top off the defense. Tutu Atwell can be that guy. He has that speed, but as he consistently mm-hmm. made plays where defense is going to be like, hey, we're going to worry about this guy, so we're going to take assets away from the middle of the field and trying to stop the run game he hasn't to this point and so I feel like the Seattle Seahawks at the same time they've gotten a lot better they drafted really well last year and the year before that on defense and I think that that's going to hold true and then even though they're not going to have Jackson Smith and Jigba on offense you still got DK Metcalf you still got Tyler Lockett Kenny Walker is going to be back and healthy you got Charbonnet and so you're going to have a lot of talent, no offense. You got Disley at tight end. And so I think all those pieces together, another year with Geno Smith to jail with those guys, they should be really sound on offense, protect the football, don't turn over, and then lean on that defense and force Matthew Stafford into doing something that he does more often than not, and that's turning the ball over. And that's probably going to be the case even more so without Cooper Cup. You must be a Rams fan. You don't like that, huh? No. You don't like that. No, I, I saw the line and I was like, I feel like that's too high. Also, I think the public's heavy on the Seahawks, too. Uh, in this but situation just, with the like Rams having one of the youngest teams in the league, I feel like rightfully so. I mean, I saw it at minus five. I think with that minus five, because the Seahawks win by a dub, by a touchdown, like, yeah, I can see them winning by a dub. Yeah, I was only rooting for the Rams against the Patriots. I'm not, I'm not a big Rams guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big root against Tom Brady guy. Brady's not that uh, bad. I mean, I understand why it's easy to hate him because he won so many Super Bowls. But take, uh, don't he's not take me down this lane to tell you my the uh, the hill that I will die on that he's the most overrated athlete ever. Don't do that. I'm not doing that on this podcast. Um, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't argue with you by saying that he may be the most luckiest luckiest athlete. Sorry, luckiest. Yeah, because I would say maybe because. See, now you're going to get me on a situation where people well, be we'll ready to bury we'll me. Just because, take, we'll just take this because, ride. We'll take because this when, ride. I look at, when I look at some quarterbacks and then I look at, like, say, golfers, where they talk about, yeah. like, athletes. Now, you look at John Daly, who's a really good golfer. Will you consider him, like, a really great athlete? So then in that sense, I'm like, hmm, can you really consider That's all it. golfers, like, athletes? And so from that situation where you may have some guys like Lamar Jackson, who I think is a phenomenal athlete and he's a really good quarterback – is Tom Brady a phenomenal athlete? No, but he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And so when you say that he may be an overrated athlete, then I may be like, hmm, you may be able to kind of make an argument about the athlete part of it. But then you talk about the quarterback, like, like. Luckiest quarterback <laughs> like, uh, ever. Let me change my stance. That you're <laughs> taking him as a goat. He's not my goat. Then the reason is, if you're going to say he's the greatest, that means he's the, you're like, that's the greatest thing you've ever seen quarterback wise. You're telling me right now. Patrick Mahomes isn't the greatest thing you've ever seen or Peyton Manning didn't do things more impressive or Aaron Rodgers didn't do more impressive things than Brady. Were they able to do more impressive things with just their arm talent and some of the athleticism and things like that? 
Yeah, yeah. In some cases, yeah. But I think Brady's consistency. <laughs> and at the same time, like Brady, I mean, we can't get it twisted. Like Brady's thrown some dimes in some like key situations. I mean, it may not be sexy and it may not be flashy all the time, but it gets the job done. And at the same time, he had that awareness of understanding where to go with the football quicker than most yes. quarterbacks at that same at that exact moment. I think that's why the Patriots offense was so successful. And like, yeah, we can say that he did it with Rob Gronkowski, he did it with Randy Moss and all these other guys, but at the same time, he did it with David Givens, and he did it with Deion Branch and some of these other guys who aren't Hall of Famers, and yet and still, he was able to win Super Bowl. So I think from that, that standpoint, you always got to be lucky to win championships, but at the same time, is when preparation meets opportunity. That's when you had success. He definitely prepared his ass off, and so that's why he was able yeah. to take advantage of that opportunity and luck to be successful. All right, I'm. We're, we're, I, I can do this all day, but we're gonna go to the game. We can go to the game of the week. Bills, Jets, Jets plus two and a half. Everyone's gonna. I think everyone's hammering the Jets at the moment. Mm-hmm. But do we believe in the Jets? I don't see how we don't. I get that where I live, everyone's going. Oh, dude, they're gonna be so bad. Aaron's, blah, he's old. Uh, I believe I in the Jets. Yeah, I mean, understandably so, understandably so. And I think if I was like a diehard Bears fan, like I would hate the Jets too and wish all the evil in life to happen to them and only them. But at the same time, like Aaron Rodgers is that dude. He's one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen. And have you seen Garrett Wilson? Like Garrett Wilson was able to ball out with Mike White and with Zach Wilson and all these other guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I think when you have a really great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, just how I was talking about Brady, where they understand where to go with the ball faster than most folks, then he's going to get the ball out of his hands, which should be able to limit sacks, limit turnovers, get the ball in your playmaker's hands, and let them do work. And I think if you can do that with a guy and a stud like Garrett Wilson, then the offense is going to be okay. And we don't have to talk about the defense. Like, we know about Sauce Gardner and all these other guys. Like, my cousin... Quentin Williams, that dude is a monster. And if people already know about him, but if you don't know about that dude, you don't definitely learn about him this year because that dude is on a mission to be one of the best players in the game. He already is, but now he's going to put that damn stamp on it this year. And so I'm excited to see what he does specifically and overall that Jets defense does this year. And he's one of the most likable guys ever. He blesses himself when he sneezes. Yeah, absolutely, right? One of the <laughs> nicest guys you'll see on camera, but then, boy, once you get between them white lines, he's a straight-up dog, and that's what I love about him. <laughs> what, what do you expect from this game, though? I feel like it, it could go a bunch – it could go every way possible. Uh, I have the Jets winning this game, actually, and I have them losing in Dallas uh, the following week, going to Jerry World. <laughs> I think Jerry it's one of those World. things where I feel that – the Jets have a lot of positive momentum going with them. They have a lot mm-hmm. of confidence going into this season, understanding that they were so close last year and they felt like they were just a quarterback away and now they have yeah. that quarterback. And so now they feel like they can get it done. When you look at the flip side, the Buffalo Bills have a lot to fight for. I mean, they've been one of the better teams in the AFC, the AFC East for a long time, but they're dealing with some adversity right now. I'm still not sure that, Josh Allen and Diggs have gotten over that little thing that they had this offseason. And if things don't go perfectly for them to start this season against a division rival with the New York Jets, are we going to see a little bit more of that friction start to show his head on Monday Night Football? And if that's the case and this starts really early this season, mm-hmm. it may end up bad for the Bills. And so I expect the Jets to be able to kind of ride that wave that we've seen through hard knocks so far and get that dub. Even though they're going to be playing against a really good Bills team that also – 
doesn't have my man Von Miller either. So, I mean, I think when you think about some of the friction that the Bills have had to deal with, some of the key players that they're going to be missing, and what the Jets are doing, I, I feel like the Jets should win this game on Monday Night Football this week. How much of that hard knock stuff is BS? Uh, from what standpoint? I've only seen like the clips and I hear what everyone says. It's just, it's all like fluff for Aaron Rodgers. But they love him. I mean, oh my things, God. Yeah, I mean, some things are fluff, but I believe you can also take away a lot of stuff from hard knocks. Like, yeah, I, I know they, they can frame things the way they want to, but you'll look at some practices in the way that he targets Garrett Wilson. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. hmm, that looks a lot like how he would target Devontae Adams, whether it's in the middle of the field or the mm-hmm. red zone. So it's one of those situations where you're looking at Garrett Wilson props, whether it's receptions, yardage, or touchdowns and things like that. And you understand that Aaron Rodgers is in the red zone, and you saw it in the preseason game too. Instead of trying to run the ball, he'd rather go to Garrett Wilson on a little back shoulder fade and yeah. get a tub. And so it's things like that where you'd be like, okay, I see the synergies, the way that he wanted to run that offense in Green Bay, which is the same offense, how he used Devontae Adams, and see the correlation of how they're using Garrett Wilson. So I think from that standpoint, you can get a lot of key takeaways. And then also just the mindset of the defensive coordinator, understanding what they want to do in certain situations, even though game plans and schematics are really vanilla when it comes to defenses uh, in preseason. But you get an idea of like how those guys' mentality are and how they might try to try to form a game plan against the team once the regular season rolls around. So there's some tidbits that you can get. But, yeah, a lot of people don't show their hands in preseason yeah. games, let alone they're not going to show it in hard knocks. Yeah. I'm getting fired up, Tank. I'm getting fired up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd be a terrible host not to talk about your team, the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. The win total is at 7.5. What can we expect from your boys and especially King Henry, is he going to slow down anytime soon? One thing that helps King Henry is DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins and Nuke still got that juice that we've seen him just last him. season when he missed a whole bunch of games in Arizona, and then you take that over to Tennessee. Now you have Traylon Burks, who's healthy now. I like Chig at tight end. The one question mark for the Titans is going to be the offensive line. So, yeah, the offensive line. I mean, the offense line, I mean, we know the quarterback. They Like, we know Ryan Tannehill is what he is. Like, Ryan Tannehill got the Titans to the AFC Championship game. I mean, so True. can they do it? Yeah. But at the same time, no, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Aaron Rodgers, none of those guys. But if the offensive line can gel and Derrick Henry, King Henry, can still be that dude that's stiff-arming through, you know, half the players on defense whenever they're playing against an opponent, and then that'll single up DeAndre Hopkins on the outside – and Tannehill could just give him the ball in space, then the Titans could be doing a little something. But at the same time, look who have to vie for the AFC uh, South crown whip, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence. You got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and then now you add my man Calvin Ridley to the mix. Like, the Jags look pretty damn good, man. It's going to be hard to get by those cats to try to win the AFC crown. Yeah, those clips of uh, Ridley flying through practice. Yeah, he's that dude. He's that dude. It's surprising that Atlanta gave him up for as little as they did to the Jags. But like, Ridley, Ridley's that dude, man. Yeah. Henry, how demoralizing are those clips of him doing those stiff arm drills with those guys just laying on the ground? Have you seen those? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. But I tell you what's the most demoralizing thing of all. Just, I mean, every time you think about King Henry, you just think about Josh Norman. Like, I just hate that. Like, I, I just hate that. Like, whenever you hear 
Derrick Henry stiff arm, your mind automatically goes to Josh Norman in that Monday night football game or whatever night football game that was where he stiff arm to the damn stands. And so, <laughs> like, King Henry, man, that, that dude is a monster, man. He's a game changer. And so I kind of gave him a downgrade in fantasy this year just because I knew the hits that that Titans offensive line took. Yeah. But if they can get their act together and if DeAndre Hopkins could be the great equalizer for that passing game that allowed them to take one extra guy out of the box, then the Titans have a chance, man. They got a chance. And that defense, man, Jeffrey Simmons, and then you get Harold Landry back, you get a little bit healthy. If that secondary can come back and kind of ball a little bit, then they got a chance. Do you think it's a disrespectful that they're three-point point, three dogs against the Saints? No, not at all. No, it's you not like disrespectful. That? You like them at it's plus three? not disrespectful three? at all. I mean, no, it's not disrespectful because I feel like the Saints, man, even though they don't have Alvin Kamar, <coughs> they got Jamal Williams who can run the ball True. effectively. You got the young rookie. And I, I think, you know, he got a little banged up in preseason, Kendry. But at the same time, I mean, he's an effective running back. But mm-hmm. then on the outside, dog, Michael Thomas is healthy now. You got Chris Olave. boy? Yeah. Come hey, on. dog. Hey, he gets it done, dog. He gets it done. I mean, you, you – Is it 2015? Look, look, I mean – <laughs> Look at 2022 last year, what he did against the Falcons in week one. Like, I don't remember any of his friends. He's still <laughs> effective, man. Until he, I don't remember. Until he, <laughs> until he got hurt, dog, he was still that dude. And then you got some guys like Rashid and some of these other fast playmakers on the outside. Then you got Jawan Johnson, who's like an underrated tight end. And Derek Carr, all he has to do is distribute the ball to those guys. And then the Saints defense, I feel like they could be opportunistic. So, True. and especially when you play at home, man, you get those guys yeah. on at the uh, on Bourbon Street getting a little litty the night before. And then they were litty at the preseason games. Yeah, man. So the Saints, <laughs> and then they're playing in the NFC South. They're going to take advantage of all their opportunities. And this is week one. Yep. They got better, better, the better opportunity is anyone uh, in the NFC South to try to make a push for that uh, playoff spot. And so I feel like the Saints are going to come correct, and it's going to start week one. It's going to be a competitive game for the Titans. Let's, let's Speaking of that, let's just dive right into the futures and talk about Bryce Young. Can he possibly get it done and win Offensive Rookie of the Year in that oh, division? Man. It's a struggling division. It's a struggling division, but if you want to put your money on anyone in that division to win rookie, say Bijan. Yeah, it's going to be Bijan. Yeah. Why not? Because you see like, man, Art, Art Smith, man, that dude is stubborn as hell with the run game. And yeah. he was doing that with Huntley, Algier, with Cordell Patterson. But now you got Bijan Robinson. We know what this dude could do with the rock in his hand. He's going to get plenty of space and opportunities to be that dude in Atlanta. So even though the team isn't going to be that good, I feel like it should be an upgrade with Riddick quarterback versus Marcus Mariota. And so having him in the run game and in the pass game, I think he's going to get enough toast and enough opportunities playing in a weak division to go ahead and sew that up. So my eyes would be on Bijan, and obviously Vegas agrees with that. Do you have a dark horse to win that award, or do you just fully sold that? (laughs) Dark horse. (laughs) Dark horse, I mean, honestly, it's going to be a guy that we're going to see on Thursday Night Football, and that would be Jameer Gibbs at plus 750. Because a lot of people look at the Detroit Lions – uh, run game and say hey we know what they want to do they, they want to use DeAndre Swift in the middle yeah. of the field and then they always pounded with Jamal Williams in the red zone but the reason they did that is because DeAndre Swift was always banged up mm-hmm. and if you haven't noticed like go back and look at the clip of the Detroit Lions brass when they drafted Jameer Gibbs when they traded down in the draft and they were just waiting to see if they could still get him and how excited they were when they put that pick in like they want him to be that every down dude 
you know, utilizing him in a running pass game. And I think we're going to see that early and often on Thursday night football with that void in the middle of Kansas City's defense with no Chris Jones there. And when you have Travis Kelsey banged up with a hyperextended knee, you want, you just want to play keep away with Patrick Mahomes. So they you want to see a lot of David Montgomery because they want to play keep away away mm-hmm. from this Kansas City Chiefs offense. But Jameer Gibbs, plus 750, I would go ahead and bang that now before Thursday night football because I think after Thursday – those eyes are going to get drop. a lot. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> On the defensive end, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. Will Jalen Carter not possibly win it because of all the talent around him on that line? Or No, I think he's going to win it because of the talent on Philadelphia's defense and the success that they're going to have. <clears throat> I mean, that dude's a special player, and it's only preseason. But we saw the way that he stood out and made play after play. And, man, you get to line this dude up next to Cox and then all of these other yeah. guys, them dogs on the end, and then you got some playmakers in the secondary. Like, this should be a layup for Jalen Carter. I'm actually surprised that. Plus I mean, I understand all this stuff that was swirling around when the draft came around, but then once you see this dude suit up and get between those white lines, people say, like, how in the hell did we, like, pass up on this dude? And I think that's going to become even more prevalent once you watch some of these early Eagles games uh, the beginning of the season because that dude is a monster, man. He's going to be a game changer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because Will Anderson's going to get all the attention. It's not like J.J. Watts on the other side over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> layups. We talked about this before we hit record. Is it a layup for Demar Hamlin to win Comeback Player of the Year at minus two eighty five? He just has to. Yeah. He just has to suit up and go to one game, right? Yeah, he already won it. Honestly, he already won. Seriously. I think the fact that. He made the team. Actually, the fact that he played in the preseason and made the yeah. team was enough because we all watched that game. Yeah. And to see the – I mean, I can still see some of the players' faces and then just understand, like, man, like, I was wondering, like, man, is this dude going to make it? Like, are we really going to experience something like this on, like, national TV where everybody's eyes are locked in on this one game. I mean, it was just crazy. And then to see him miraculously, like, leave the hospital, like, within a couple weeks, yeah. and then to be playing in the offseason and then the preseason and then actually make the team. He's going to be out there soon up in week one. In under a year. <laughs> I, believe, I believe from that standpoint, he's already come back player of the year. But if we wanted to go ahead and eliminate him and say who it is, I think as long as Tua stays healthy, yeah. Like, he would be the guy after DeMar because you got Jalen Waddle, you got mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, you got a bunch of track stars on that offense. It's always one of those issues where the Dolphins' offensive line can stay healthy. But as long as they do, man, Tua's going to be that dude. He's going to light it up this year. So, yeah, I think if it wasn't for DeMar, it would be Tua, but it's sold up. Like, DeMar is minus 275, 285 for a reason. What, it would, I feel like it would be absolutely disrespectful not to give it to him, even if he – Barely plays. He's honestly, like, honestly for me, he doesn't have to suit up for a game, even though he's going to. Yeah, like yeah. just be just being on the roster. What's the point of the award? Be, honestly, What's the point honestly, of the just award? being here. Like, I, like we didn't know if Seriously. he was going to make it, and that's straight oh. up. Like a lot of people expected, like man, in a week or so, this guy may not be living. It was the saddest thing ever. Yeah. So for him to still be a not only alive but actually playing an NFL game in a few days, like that's miraculous as hell. Yeah, I'm not trying to crack jokes at people listening and thinking I'm cracking jokes. My dad had a cardiac arrest. That yeah. that's not funny. He he's living, right. he's great. That that was 2015. He's still alive and well. That's a miracle because he was 48. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not whatever. Demar Hamlin's what 25 probably. Right, man. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. 
Well, I don't want to end on a bad note like that. Tank, do you have a right, game yeah, that yeah, people yeah. people need to be <laughs> people need to watch that you're confident in that this team or that team will cover? Hmm, let's look at some stuff right now. Let's let's go. We let's can't go we on can't end on a, such a sad note like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though it's not really a sad <laughs> no, note, it's, because it's a mirror. You know, we're happy like the guy's gonna be out yeah. there playing. Uh but let's look at some. Let me just scroll through <laughs> and let's see if we can get to an intriguing game. They're all um, they're all intriguing. Oh. All right, let tell me this. Tell me this. What do you think about this Cowboys Giants matchup? Now, that's a disgusting line. I think it's disgusting. It's what three and a half right now? I see it right now. It's minus three for the Cowboys. Some it, it feels like a trap. I think I have to bet the Giants just because it feels like a trap game. Why would oh. it such why would such a powerful team like the Cowboys be such a low favored team? Like everyone's like, oh, what do what, what the Giants have? What do the Giants have? See, I think they're looking at it from a standpoint that this is a vision game. The Giants made the playoffs last year. They they're always come prepared. At home. They're playing at home. Yeah, they're well coached. Honestly, when I look at it, the Giants, they just don't seem like a good football team to me. And there's one thing, too. They're Saquon dogs. Barkley. Like I kept talking about the running backs and how things have changed for them this year. This is week one, so everything's going to be different. Like, Saquon is going into this game healthy, but yep. I don't know if we see the same type of effort and all that from these running backs this year, man, until they get that guarantee longer than, like, uh, a year behind them. And so, mm-hmm. like, it may not play that much into this game. I think ultimately for me, I, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys are the more talented team yeah. and that they should win this game. So I would bang the minus three for the Cowboys. Yeah. But when we look to the Giants later on in the season, if Saquon gets nicked up and it's like, hey, what do we want to get out of him? That's when I really start fading the G man. Now I think I could I could feel confident if I can get that line at plus three and a half, because every game's a field goal. Well, how many games come down to a field goal at the end? Almost all of them. So if I can get beat by three, I still got the hook. That's how I'm looking. Yeah, at but it. I, I think with Tony Pollard now you have Brandon Cooks. You got oh, I love Tony Lamb, You got Michael Gallup. That's a year removed from that knee injury. I feel like the Cowboys' offense should be on another level this year, and we already know what that defense could do. Yeah. So I, I feel pretty comfortable that they should cover that minus three, but we will see. I'm so glad that Tony Pollard's the number one back now. I've been saying it for four years. That guy, or whatever he was a rookie, that guy runs harder and wants it more than Zeke did. Yeah, this is the most juice that Dak has had on offense. And so I'm interested to see how he's going to use it for sure. Tank, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can do this again soon for, we got, we got what, 18 weeks, 20 weeks? We got 18 weeks. So I'll be back. I'll be back. We'll definitely do it again for sure. For sure. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me, dog. 